Welcome to What the Foster, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the voiceless. This season, we're focusing on the often unheard and invisible population of youth currently or formerly in foster care. With all the misconceptions about foster care out there, we think these stories will shed some light on what it really means to spend time in the system. What the Foster is produced by Umbrella, a New Jersey foster care nonprofit, and I'm Rachel Turan. As a content warning, this podcast episode includes discussions of physical and sexual abuse and the death of a child. This episode, we will hear from Alejandra, a New Jersey foster care scholar who grew up in Colombia. I first met Alejandra at Umbrella's Passport to Education event, where a quiet and polite girl approached me to have a headshot taken. We hardly exchanged words, but a few months later, she and her adoptive mom came to our office to share about Alejandra's experiences. She sat on a couch in our video studio, and her story poured out of her. Afterwards, I pondered questions of resilience and fortitude about how we navigate our trials and what compels the desire for justice in one's life. For Alejandra, the search for justice started as a young girl when the government interrupted her life with her mother and father in Colombia. They came to the house and just say that my mom and my dad, they didn't have enough resource to take care of us, you know. Um, and plus my mommy was like, she was like alcoholic and, and my dad too. He was like the, one of the guys that likes to have uh, like a lot of kids around, like different girls and women, you know, and stuff like that. So not only had three siblings for one mom, it's also have for another mom's siblings. The line between poverty and neglect is one that is continually difficult to draw for child welfare organizations across the world. Child maltreatment is more common among those living in poverty as their parents try to navigate conditions associated with poverty like homelessness, history of incarceration, HIV, and substance abuse. At the hands of the state, Alejandra and her brother were moved to a foster home. After that, we, me and my brother was just living in a foster care, you know. Then uh, um, I think after two years being in one foster care, we we switch homes, me and my brother, and there it was like a lot of things happen in it. Like we, me and my brother, we got um, we received different kind of uses, you know, physical and um, into. I also got sexual abuse also. So for for my foster dad. Um, To complicate things further, Alejandro's brother had physical disabilities. He wasn't a normal kid, you know, like a normal person. He has like disabilities. He couldn't talk, he couldn't walk, you know. And uh, um, he's not supposed to take or eat food, like really like thick food or something like that. And then my fo- the foster mom just, that day he uh, she gave it to him like a piece of potato and then yeah, so, and then he couldn't breathe, and, and, and I only remember that instead of taking it to the hospital, she just <clears throat> drowned, her, uh, drowned my brother in, in, in the water instead of taking it to the hospital. The foster mother had 
drowned her brother. But uh, after he uh, he passed away, like it was more towards me the um, abuse, you know. Much of this abuse came from the foster father. He was violent, so he 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 always hit me or the foster mom too, you know. Um, and then he always every single day he what he comes home like really like drunk, and um, yeah, and then uh, like everything if. I just break a plate. It was like the worst time ever, you know. They put me tied to a chair that I cannot move. Like it was happening every single day, every single, you know, like every single year. I lived there like for like either five years or four years in that house, you know, and then as you can imagine, it's like every single year is like most of my life there. Um, like I never have a childhood like us, everyone else, you know, I never play with toys. I never play with like my age, literally to ride, uh, learn to ride a bicycle. I was 16, never ride a bicycle. never knew what was, you know, a party or at that age, I never know nothing, like literally just, oh, what I know is just abuse, you know, violin and stuff like that. And then sometimes they will say that they say, oh, we are going as a family, we are going to do some something, but that's, but it wasn't the family actually. It was just the parent, the mother and the son, that's it. And they would left me in the house, you know, like tied to a chair. And they say, okay, we won't, we won't know if you untie yourself and you try to untie. And then I never say anything about what was happening because I was, I was um, being afraid. And, you know, the foster parents they were like, if you say something, you know how it's going to go, you know. You, and I know how it's going to go because... They will either put me outside to sleep without blankets or nothing during night, either raining or not raining. But then the government learned what was happening in the home. I think they interviewed the neighbors around because the neighbors, he was saying that it was something happening in the home. So, <clears throat> yeah, they got to interview some some neighborhood and whatever they say, you know, they was, you know, it was like, it was true. So one day, one of the psychologists came home and she's like, I'm sorry, you know, um, you you need to do, you, you know, like you back and stuff like that. Get your things together and we need to move you from, from the house. Literally just like that. Like, I never, I was like, what just happened? Who told you, you know? I was so afraid. Um, I was crying. I don't know why, but I was crying because I was leaving there, you know? And I never, I was like, for one part, I was happy that I was moving from this place, you know, because I was like, okay, I think I will never have to pass through these things. Um, but at the same time, I was feeling so sad, you know, because I was living without my brother. Alejandra left this home and was moved to another. She had hope that things would change for the better. But yeah, so 
I thought that going to the new place, it was gonna change everything, you know? It was gonna be more calm, you know, more like in a new life, okay? It was nice, but I also still having, I also was receiving physical abuse also, not only from these parents, um, but also from the children that they were there already the foster children that they were living there before. I thought that going to that house, I never will have to uh, wash clothes for another people or cook for, for another people or do things for another people, you know, but it didn't, it didn't change. You know, I had to wash clothes from their biological kids that they could do it by themselves, you know, uh, clean, um, and it was it wasn't like you know like as you call here chores like you know you you can help at home my chores you know like i'm doing right now like today at my house you know but we never wash clothes from from other children so you know but in this house it was not like that it was like you either have to do it or you will have consequence you know with the help of her piercing moral compass, Alejandra realized that she didn't deserve this kind of treatment. So one day I just start thinking, you know, like I can't, like I can't, I don't, I can't anymore with this type of training to me, you know. I was thinking, okay, I don't deserve this, you know, like, I mean, I want to stop it, you know, you know, to talk and say, you know, speak up, you know, say, that I don't feel well in, in that in that place and then I wanna, you know, switch foster homes. And then they offered to the other children from that home if they wanted to do the same thing. But they were like, they were mad at me because they were like, why'd you do this? The, uh, this house, they are giving you everything that you need, you know? But in my mind, I was thinking not everything because mostly what they're giving us is just material stuff, you know, like they will give us the clothes that we want and the clothes this, you know, like the um, electronics or, you know, stuff like that. It was like more material stuff that they were giving us than just what we need actually love, you know, uh, to feel love of a family or, you know, that we really matter, you know. Alejandra has this wisdom that isn't common in such a young person. She knew that what mattered to her was love, and she was going to do anything she could to get it. As like, at least I'm speaking out for myself, you know, and not only for me, and I was thinking of my brother too. I was like, my brother deserved this too, and I, he probably want me to do that too. I feel like he was talking to me, you know, in that time. He was like, Alejandra, you have to get out of that place, you know? So Alejandra was moved again. So we got in that home. They also had a, more foster uh, children there, you know, childs. Yeah, they had a uh, more, and then we start. I started in that home, and I was like, "Yeah, this is actually my home." You know, they were never. They never had me. I never. I never had like. I never felt anymore like the physical abuse. You know, they. Um, they were really like, you know, they were really nice. I don't know how to prescribe it, but it was like I was feeling peace in that, you know, in that home. In 2015, I was, yeah, I was in that, in, in their house. And one of the doctors, you know, 
they say um listen Alejandra if you continue doing you know doing good at school be having a good behavior um you know just behave how do you are you've been behaving you know the nice way and continue to be you know good you know you will uh, you can be selected to be um to be part of uh, um Field, uh, field trip that we will take you to another country and I was like I was just like okay wow this is really really you know I was so emotional and I was like okay you know yeah and then I was like beginning to do so really good at school you know so yeah I got selected by this program uh, Keep Safe KidSave is a private adoption organization with offices in Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. One function of the organization is sending children from countries outside the U.S. on trips to the States to meet potential adoptive families. And I was like, wow, at at such an old age, you know, I don't think I'm going to have a family, you know, that wants to adopt me or wants to have old child you know they most they wanted like little kids and I was like but you know what I'm just going for fun you know Alejandra was right older youth are less likely to be adopted kids ages 13 to 17 accounted for only 10 percent of adoptions according to the 2018 adoption and foster care analysis and reporting system data or AFCARS data Alejandra ended up visiting New Jersey where she stayed with a host family for a month you know, and then we spend time, you know, like the summer, we spend time with the, with their family and um, we did, you know, celebrate it like the 4th of July. You know, I spent time really nice, you know, like it was my best summer ever. At the, at the end of the month, we were back to Colombia and then basically we just had to wait I was waiting, like I wait like a month and then I heard of this family, you know, I heard that, um, that a family from here, from the United States, they they were interesting, you know, in mm-hmm. having a life with me, you know, and forming a family with me. Uh, we, we start, you know, video chat and like in my, in the doctor's office, you know, we were like video chatting. To know, getting to know more each other was the the adoption process. It was getting there, you know, like paperwork and stuff like that. The couple decided to adopt Alejandra. So yeah, they traveled to Colombia. We spent a month there, you know. They we was processing. It was you know was getting ready. We also have uh, time to you know to travel around the country you know and probably take some memories you know before I left the country well of course I was sad you know because I was like okay I'm not you know I'm not leaving anymore here you know I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave this country a new culture new language new new I don't know everything is new you know um I was sad I was crying actually in in the airplane as I was leaving it That's all for the first part of Alejandra's story, but there is more to tell. Tune in next week to find out what happens when she moves to the States. Here's a preview of what you can expect. That one day I got so aggressive because I was so like 
frustrated, stressed. I was like, I don't know how to communicate. She got, uh, she got mad at me, and I just got really violent. I just start kicking, you know, kicking stuff or throwing stuff uh, uh, in the floor.